Divine Truth Assistance Group. This group assistance sessions are about putting principles of divine truth into action. This discussion is part of the 2014 Australia Group 2 series. The topic of the presentation is Pray for God's Love, presented by Jesus on the 4th of August 2014 in Monterey, New South Wales, Australia. Everyone back? We got uh, Bruce back. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's so interesting having a little group, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> oh, like startled deer. <laughs> um, oh, it depends. <clears throat> like startled deer in the headlights. <laughs> um, this is, gives you a great opportunity, though, to actually have a bit of engagement with us now on the subject of prayer. So that's what I would like to talk to you about. So are we ready to roll, guys? Okay, so the subject is praying for God's love. Okay. Now we've gone through a lot of material with you this week, right? Um, quite a lot, isn't it? If, if, if you think about it, even the stuff that we learned on the first day would be... Actually, I might just take off my jumper, sorry. Yeah, if you think about it, even the stuff we did on the first day. There's enough there to go on with for months and months and months and so forth. So, and if you think about today, like, wow, there's some really good material in today. If you think about the aspect of faith, like that's a big issue, isn't it? That's one of the reasons why we just put off, put off, put off this relationship with God. And then developing the will, as Mary went through, like, isn't it that, that relationship between will and and God, and, the, and the greatest gift, like I feel will is probably the second greatest gift, but it's given to everyone like carte blanche without any strings attached. But the, 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 first great, the real greatest gift is God's love because that's going to transform your soul. But, but without your will, never going to happen. So these are really important principles. But then, then we come to this issue of prayer, how, how prayer is going to affect our lives. What, what's going to happen in our lives with regard to prayer. And if you think about it, there's all this stuff that we've gone through, you know, deconstruction of the tradition, understanding ourselves, looking at repentance and forgiveness, even looking at faith, looking at will, looking at all these aspects that are all a part of your development. They're all things you're going to have to do. But, you know, you can do almost all of those, you can do all those things, all of the things except for the stuff we've talked about today, and still never receive God's love. So you can do all that and never have God's love. And the whole thing that we want to talk to you about is actually receiving God's love. Right? And what's God's love, receiving God's love, dependent upon? Well, you've seen today already that it's dependent on building your faith to, to actually exercise your will to... Now we come to the real point to pray. So building your faith to exercise your will to pray is where we're at now. Make sense? So let's have a look at our how the world how does the world view love? But you tell me how the world view loves views love. You've been in the world long enough, you know what it feels like about love. Peter. It's very cynical about love. Cynical, yeah. 
Good word, huh? It's exactly what it's like. Yeah. Anything else? Justin. That love doesn't win out in the end. Yeah, it's powerless. It, 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 it has no way of doing anything with any power or strength. Yep. If we come down to Catherine. Love hurts. Yeah, isn't that one? Love hurts. Then we sing about it, how much love hurts. Yeah. yeah. If we go back to Jilly. It's time dated. It's It'll only last for a short amount of time. It's not, it's not forever. Right, yes, yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, so yeah. it's time dated. Yeah. yeah. It's always got an expiry date. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> use by. <laughs> yeah, use, use it by then, or otherwise it's gone, gone. forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anything else if we go to Bruce? Um, it's used to describe how we feel about inanimate objects. <laughs> yes, yeah, which is funny when you think about it because they can't receive love, can they really? <laughs> Yeah. You go to Jane. Um, love is just. Um, in what way do you mean that? Like, um, I could, what I want, I think more in the demanding way, like right. I feel, yeah, like if I don't. I've like, given you that, you yeah, should give me this. Exactly, you should, you should do this. <laughs> yeah. <to> me. <laughs> yeah, so here's a demand and expectation in it. I agree. Yeah. Anything else you can think of? So let, let's have a look at what we come up with. So it feels powerless over evil. It doesn't provide security or safety. In fact, in fact, have you noticed that most people who fall in love feel very unsafe? Have you noticed that? They, they actually feel like they, that their life is now... They're always worried. What's that person going to do? They might leave me. And then where will I be? They're always worried about things. It's treated with disrespect and condescension, as was pointed out. It's hopeless in the face of evil. And this is something you didn't raise, but something I'd just like to briefly talk about. Many people feel that love is so powerless that when evil comes in its presence, you should revert to evil. Because, because love's not going to cure anything. Love's not going to fix anything. It's not going to do anything for you in that place. You need to fight when evil faces you. Isn't that what they believe? You have to fight when we're faced with evil. Uh, interesting concepts, aren't they? Completely out of harmony with truth, but, but we believe them. Yeah, Lena? It is not important. Love is not important. There's Just no to, point. To get it through, that's what's important at any cost. Yeah, and to be honest, if you think all of these things about love, can you understand why you feel in the end there's not much point to it? <laughs> Of course, of course there's no point to a love like that. Right? And that's what we need to bear in mind. So these are things that uh, love must be forced upon people who don't love. Have you found that to be a common thought? You know, all those people who don't love, just force them to love. Let's make them do it. Let's, you know, like, for example, this is why we've created laws in each country. In, in each country, we have laws because we're trying to force all the people who don't want to love to do something that's more loving. That's the whole point of most of our laws, if you think about it. So isn't that, like if you think about how the world views love, it's like, wow, 
It's no wonder I've got some distortions here. Now, let's contrast that with God's love. God's love is power, has power over everything. <laughs> what a contrast. Before we were saying love's powerless, and we're saying here God love, God's love rules the universe. That's how much power it has. The whole universe got created through it, through the seed, through the seed of love that God came up with concepts and ideas of all loving. And has, power, has complete power over everything. Complete power over everything. It is the framework of the universe. It governs all the operations. Oops, I'll just go back there because I just want to say those things. It governs all the operation of all things. Oops, I'm going, I'm going forward. Let's go backwards. Governs the operation of all things. That's pretty powerful, right? Right. And, and you can see how the world believes all these things about love because the world has never experienced God's love. Because if the world had experienced God's love, it would know the truth about love, that love has power over everything. That tells you that what we have on earth is not love. Because if we understood the, the truth about love, and we would understand it if we'd experienced it, we would know it has power over all things, not power over nothing. So we have a lot of these false beliefs we'd have about love. If we'd actually experienced love, we wouldn't believe it anymore. Yeah. Okay, what else? When our will is engaged to sincerely desire God's love, so this is now an aspect of God's love where we must first engage our will to receive, it heals all things. Heals everything. Right. Every single physical ailment, every single disease, every single you know problem that's on this planet in terms of medical problem can all be healed. Every every accident where people have broken bones, all all can all be healed with God's love. Right. That's how much power it has. But but see, we have to engage it in order for it to have power over us. So this is the point I'm trying to make. In order for God's love to have any power in our life, we have to engage it. What else do you think it does if we engage it? Sorry? If we engage God's love, we grow and we can change and we can be transformed. Very true. Yeah. Yes. Anything else? Anto? It inspires you, allows you to use your imagination and then... Good, it does. Yeah. I was just thinking of also previously um, our practitioner when we started off, she used to say, well, I've got to give you some tough love. Tough love? <laughs> it's so hard to get. <laughs> yeah, as if. Yeah. Here we go, Kelly. It um, gives you an ability to love others. It does, yes. Yeah, it does. But let's, there's, there's a lot more here that you could be seeing, right? So let's go to Jill. It's finally going to make me happy. It, it brings happiness if I engage it. Yes, of course. No, yeah. Very important thing. If we come down the line. Um, brings inspiration and creativity. And... It does, but, but um, the reality is there's 
heaps of other things we could be listening. See, see, can you see how many, many of us already have got this sort of almost, it's a very unscientific viewpoint about love actually. You, you think it's all to do with sort of just feelings, but it's not just to do with feelings. There's a lot more power that it has. We will know all things. God will tell us. All yes. things. You, know, you get to know everything. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's like many of us have studied for years and years and done things for years and years and tried hard for years and years to know just a few things. And, and in the reception of love and understanding God's love and actually feeling God's love, you'll get to know all things. And anything that you want to know anything about, you'll know God will tell you. You'll know the answer. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, Bruce. And then Nikki. Might be able to make me dance. He'll buy. <laughs> Might be able to make me dance. <laughs> <laughs> you already probably know how to do that. You're just afraid. <laughs> um, it'll bring everyone together, ultimately. So even the people who are in the lowest part of the hells, yeah. you know, all the laws are designed to, at some point, bring each soul so it unifies people, yeah. unifies people, yeah. It brings peace to, it, can, it has the power to bring peace to earth, but only if we engage it because we have to use our will to do those things. Yeah. So let's look at some of these things. It overcomes all things including all evil, whether the evil is inside or outside of us. Right? It provides safety, security and reality. See, many of you, with your addictions, you're seeking for safety. Your addictions are not going to give you safety. God's love will give you safety, a feeling of safety, a feeling of being safe. No matter where you are, you'll have, you can have people at war and you'll still feel safe. You can have people running around marauding the countryside and you'll still feel safe. Right? Because, because you're in harmony and connected with God who, who makes you feel safe all the time when you're connected with him all the time. It's the core substance that allows complete understanding of all truth. Yeah. Anto? I find that um, God's love provides reality a really strange one because the world is not real. That's you know? right. Yeah. So we don't even know what the world should look like from yeah. God's perspective. Yeah, most of you have no idea what is real even in terms of what happens on earth. See, see you know what scientists do? They, look at, they, they use what they call empirical evidence to provide reality, right? In other words, to describe reality. They examine what's going on around us in the universe and they go, because that's happening in the universe, that tells us a whole heap of things. But they forget that we are influencing the universe around us in an unloving manner. And, and we then measure the unloving manner in which we have affected the universe and then we call that truth. It's not truth. It's, it's truth of what will happen when we influence the universe in an unloving manner. That's all it's truth about. So can you see what I've just said there in terms of our description? We, we, we're saying here's the world we currently have, so here's the earth we currently have. We call that at the moment reality, but we're forgetting that there's 7 point whatever, 2 billion people on the planet all out of harmony with love, right? influencing everything that goes on on that planet, right? 
Now, if those 7.2 billion people are out of harmony with love and influencing everything on the planet, then the planet is going to reflect back to those people all the things that are out of harmony with love. So there's all these terrible things happening around the earth. There's wars, you know, we've even had historically atomic bombs and all sorts of things go off, right? These are all things that are out of harmony with love. You know, there's, there's 50 million children dying every year just from being murdered by their mothers through the process of abortion. And then there's another 50 or so million dying every year from malnutrition and starvation and all those kind of things. And we all say, oh, we love children. Uh, there's 100 million of them dying every year. You'd think uh, there's a problem with our love of children, right, obviously. But, but these things are happening on the earth. And then what do we call that? We go, oh, that's the way of the world. That's nature. That's the way it is. Right? We're actually measuring our own unloving behaviour and then calling it normal. And you know, we've never experienced a world where this 7.2 billion people don't do these things. Where instead what they do is they love the world and everything in it. We've never experienced that reality we don't know what will happen. We don't know how to eradicate diseases because, because we've used you know, medicine to do so rather than love to do so. So we, we, we have no concept that love is even possible to eradicate disease because we can't measure it because we've not acted in harmony with love. All we're doing is measuring the flawed system, the, the system that we have created that is flawed. We're measuring the results of it. That's all we're doing. And then we're calling that truth. Right. When, when once, we, once, the, once we love the earth and love everything in it and then measure it, it's going to be fascinating. Because, uh, you know, there'll be, there'll be whole streams of what I'd classify as methods of employment nowadays where you just go, well, it's pointless being one of those because it's never going to happen. You know, like, for example, being a lawyer. Pointless being one of those, it's never going to happen. There's never going to be a fight that goes into an argument that goes into escalation and I need a hundred thousand laws to determine who's right and who's wrong because everyone's in harmony with love. Right? I've never, what, what's the point of being a doctor unless I'm going to actually, um, under this system, there'd be no point, there'd be no doctors. You know, in the celestial heavens, there's no doctors at all. That makes sense, doesn't it? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's only required because we're out of harmony with love. Right? There's whole professions like that. that they don't, just don't exist in the celestial heavens. It's like a doctor in the celestial heavens. He waits a lot for his next patient. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, so God's love is the substance that changes the human soul from its natural state to the divine. Like, without God's love, your soul cannot transform. In other words, you can't take the next leap in your soul's evolution without love. That, and, but, but God's love does that. There's an amazing power. That, that we just don't understand on earth because very few people have ever experienced it. Yeah. It's the only permanent, permanent source of real happiness, peace and contentment, isn't it? Like, most of us don't know that. So we, we run around every single day seeking new ways of 
you know, trying to get peace, trying to get contentment, trying to feel fit in, trying to feel comfortable, trying to, you know, we get all these addictions and we're running around in our madness state, you know, like one of those little mice on, on those wheels and our legs are going like 10 to the dozen and we're just running around, running around and this thing's spinning around and it makes us feel like it's really getting somewhere. And we really feel like, how, how many of us feel like we're totally busy? Our entire life's totally busy. And, and yet we're not happy. We're not in peace and we don't feel content. And, and, and we can't be because we haven't received God's love. God's love is what creates those things. And even natural love, in compared to God's love, are completely different. Natural love is... You know, one day you can be in love with a person and the next day she could do something and you're not in love anymore. And God's love's not like that either. God's love's permanent, real, constant. God doesn't love you one day and then the next day you go, oh, you know, I'm not that interested in Nicky anymore. He's, you know, you know, he did something today that offended me and I just don't, don't like him anymore, right? Or, oh, Catherine, you know, you've, you've done a, you know, a few weeks ago you did that thing and I'm offended now. You know, he doesn't say that. Or he doesn't go, you know, to, to people and say, you love somebody else. Lani, how dare you love somebody else? I'm a jealous God. I want all your love. And if I don't get all of your love, that's it, that's it for me. You know, I'm, I'm cutting you off for the rest of your existence. You know, Lani? <laughs> Um, the idea of permanent is because, like, I've just experienced like fleeting happiness and fleeting peace. Yeah. But to have permanent, like, when you re- like, you're talking about, you know, people receive, su- you know, a little bit of God's love. When does it become permanent? Well, when you become at one with God. Oh. You see. When you've broken down all your facade. Well, not any of that. It's when you've received enough of God's love for the transformation into perfection to have occurred. You become at one with God in that moment. Now, every one of these conditions is permanent. Like, you think you're going to be worried about what's happening tomorrow. <laughs> I don't think so, right? You're going to be worried about what, where your next dollar comes from or you know, who's going to offend you or who, what, so, so, what somebody thinks of you or any of those things. Of course you're not because now you, you've, got enough, you've now got enough of God's love to be connected with God 100% of the time. You know what God feels about you and God's the greatest being in the universe. What, what God feels about you becomes the only thing that really matters. Do you, think, do you think under those conditions that you'd be worried about, oh, if I tell this truth, that person will get upset with me? Of course you don't. Because cause you're connected with God. You know, God's never upset with you about telling the truth. In fact, God wants to tell you the truth. And you even know that if you don't tell the truth, then it cuts off the relationship with God. So that's when the primary relationship to God is so vital. Exactly. Exactly. And we're, we're going around, running around, trying to establish all these other relationships, not understanding that until we actually understand love, no other real relationship is possible anyway. And, and all we're doing is fooling ourselves, thinking that we can a- obtain something with that relationship that only God has on and offer and nobody else does. There is no permanency to any other thing other than God's love. And, and in fact, once you receive God's love, and I haven't listed there, you become immortal. Before you receive God's love, immortality is not an option for you. 
But once you receive God's love, immortality is an option. It was not only option, once you've received it to a one with God, it is a permanent condition. And you're aware of your own immortality. In other words, you get to a state where you walk through everywhere in the universe knowing that there's nothing that anything can happen to do, that nothing that can be done to destroy you as a soul. Would you still have a physical body then? Or? Well, it doesn't matter. You, your soul, anyway. So, you, you know, you can have a hundred physical bodies in that state. And, but none of them matter to you because you're, you're experiencing far more sensory input through your soul than you ever had through your physical sen senses. Yeah. So you, physical, you know, you're, no lo you're no longer focused on your physical existence anymore because your physical existence is just a way for you to express your soul in the physical world. That's all it is. It's not like, I'm scared because if I lose this physical existence, I'll lose a whole heap of things. You know you're not going to lose anything. So you're not afraid of losing a physical existence. You know that, oh, while I'm here, I can just experience this physical existence, work your way through whatever happens as a century part of your life, and you're in complete harmony with everything. You know what's going on. You know fear. It's a pretty good state, huh? And only God's love allows these states. Only God's love. So when you compare human concept of love and then you compare that with God's love, can you see? Like, it's, it's amazing in some ways that people even bother with human love. <laughs> with one exception, and that is obviously if they're God's children, we would naturally want to love them. Right? But it's amazing that we bother to get all of these things met through methods that are completely like, and have proven to be like, if you ask pretty much of those 7.2 billion people, you ask the majority, let's say you did a survey of 7.2 billion people and ask them how many of them are really, 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 really happy. I reckon you'd be lucky to get one if they had to analyse it really carefully. Like, there's people that are happy in this aspect of their life, happy in that aspect of their life, but not really happy other places, right? But even if you've got a hundred or a thousand, or even if you've got a million, or maybe even if you've got a billion, it's still only like 10% of the population. <clears throat> yeah. But every, you ask every person in the celestial spheres whether they're happy. You do that survey. You know what you get? Every single person, it's a hundred percent yes. And you compare that with here on earth, and half the people here on earth is, are answering you and lying on their response <laughs> because they can't cope with the idea that they're not happy. But that doesn't happen in the celestial heavens either. Everyone's telling you the truth, and it's a hundred percent response, and it's a hundred percent yes when it comes to God and God's love. There's so much power in it, and we, we've got to start seeing that as a reality. You see? And it's hard when you're beginning, hey? It's hard to see God's love as a reality because you've not experienced it properly, or you might have had one little experience here, or one little experience there, or one experience that took you six months to have, or, you know, and so, so uh, unfortunately, what we do is we don't, we don't understand 
how essential it is for the rest of our existence and how important it is for our development. But once we do, then we start to pray. Okay, so let's look at our relationship with God. So what, if I want to have a relationship with, let's say, one of you, what is required for us to have a loving relationship? So let's look at this first. A desire to know that person. Okay, so let's say there's you and uh, or let's say or there's me and you, let's say. So if we're going to have a loving relationship of any kind, you'll have to what? Be able to do what? Speak to them. Well, yeah, but, but it's even more simple than that. If we look at it from a scientific perspective... How, does, how is a relationship established between two individuals? Mm. <laughs> I've never had one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll accept that as an answer. <laughs> you have to meet them and know them first. So you would have to want to do that, wouldn't you? Well, if you don't know them, how can you want to meet, want to... Well, this is the thing, is that even if you don't know somebody, you can look at them across the road. Like, let's say, let's say you know, you met... There was a guy you were really interested in. You think back of when you were interested in guys, Catherine. Can you remember then? Yeah, just. <laughs> just, just. Just joking with you. And you think back then and you go, he's on the other side of the room or something, and you're over here, you've never met him yet. What's the feeling in you? You'd like to meet them. You'd like to, wouldn't you? you, you there's a feeling, going, I would like to get to know that person over there. That's a feeling where you want to take some action to get to know this person, isn't it? So if now we're talking about a loving relationship, there has to be something coming out of you towards that person, doesn't there? So should we call that a desire to know them? to understand them, to communicate with them, whatever that desire is. But there needs to be something else inside of you. So there's, there's this desire towards them, and then what else needs to be there? Did we come to Nikki? A desire to receive back from them. Yeah, to do a desire to receive something from them, isn't there? So, so can we say, we just wrote about this desire, there must be this desire to give something to them. And there's got to be a desire to receive something from them. Does that make sense? Yeah. Now, of course, in a relationship, this requires, this person has to have a desire to give something and a desire to receive something. Right? And this person, for a relationship to be established, also will need to have the same desires. They'll have a des need to have a desire to give and a desire to receive. Won't they? So there's really four things needed for this relationship to be established. Two things on the part of this person and two things on the part of this person. It's not, not true? Okay, now let's rub out that person 
And let's put in place of that person God. Can you see the same principle must apply? There's got to be a desire for God to give and a desire for God to receive and a desire for me or whoever this person is to give and a desire to receive in order for a relationship to be established. Isn't that the case? So that's what we're saying here, you see. Receive love from another into themselves and to give love from themselves into another. That's how a relationship is established, right? Yeah. Now, what does God want? You tell me what God wants. Jane? Um, God wants us to receive her love. Right, so God desires... So, so, but, but let's... You're, you've said it from your perspective. I'm asking you to think about what it would be like from God's perspective. So what does God want? Yep. Um, so God has a desire to give her love. Correct. Yep. So God has this the, the giving of love. So if I just draw that, um, this, this love belonging to God, I'll put it in black so that you get the thing. So God has that desire. Yeah. And? And then God has a desire to receive a person's love. Yeah, let's personalise oh. it. God has yeah. a desire yeah. to so receive. God, <laughs> so God, God has a desire to receive my love. Correct. Yeah. yeah, the greatest being in the universe has a desire for you to love God, has a desire to receive your love. You know, God feels it every time he receives your love. God feels it. At times I felt like I've been overwhelmed that... I do love God. There's been times yeah, where I do want to get Yeah, love. and every time that's happened, God's received it. Right? Isn't that amazing that your little puny soul <laughs> can affect the greater soul in the universe, right? That's a pretty amazing system, right? So greatest soul in the universe is open to receiving your love. You know, he's not like the queen, you know. He goes... <laughs> oh. Or one of the presents, or you know, someone famous. You know, you go to a rock show and you go, "I really want to have a," you know, go up and see this guy. You know, he's not like that. God, greatest being in the universe, wants a relationship with you. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And God is already open to receiving your love, already, already done. And God wants to give you God's love. It's already done. From, from God's perspective, the relationship with you is already done. So, if the relationship from God's perspective is already established, can you see what we're left with? Just the two things. Do we desire to love God and do we desire to receive love from God? Just those two things. So this is what God wants. God wants to receive your love. And God wants to give you love. I find it extraordinary that God can like sense or know straight away the moment that we have that real sincere desire. 
like for seven billion people or how many billion people. Yeah. No, it's amazing. It is amazing. Like, if you think about it, for the average person on earth, just receiving love from one person is like, you know. But God, God knows the exact feelings, emotions of every single soul that God's ever created. Right? It's an immense being. And even though God is such an immense being, you feeling love for God, God feels. So God is so sensitive that in amongst those, all those billions of creations of God, God knows when Lani loves God. And God also knows when Lani wants to receive some love from God. That's how sensitive God is. Now, you put you in an audience where there's 100,000 people in front of you, imagine. Like, can you ever imagine yourself feeling the whole 100,000 people uh, as, a, as individuals, knowing their name, colour of their hair, how many hairs they have on their head, how many hairs they have on their skin, what physical problems they have, what, you know, what's going on in their life, everything else. And on top of that, knowing whether they have a feeling for you or not a feeling for you. Every single person. Now, the, the more you become like God, the more that will happen. The more sensitive you'll become to every single person around you. But God is this immensely, infinitely sensitive being who's completely connected to you, completely connected to every single thing you feel. And when you feel something for God specifically, God instantly feels it. And even though God exists outside of this universe, instantly responds. And emotion, actually, is the transmission medium. It's an instant transmission medium that is faster than light. So from a scientific perspective, Every feeling that you have directed at God, God instantly feels even though God exists outside of this universe. So that means the universe is immensely large, right? And the universe is millions and millions and millions and millions of light years across right? in terms of what we've discovered. And the instant you have an emotion for God, God feels that even though God is millions and millions and millions and millions of light years away. God designed the transmission of emotion to be your communication method with God. Can you see why it's so important to let yourself be overwhelmed by emotion? It's essential for you to be over, let yourself be overwhelmed by emotion because without that willingness to be overwhelmed, you've lost the entire communication method between yourself and God. And you can use your intellect. You can, go, you can, you can scratch your head and go, okay, oh, that's not happening, so I might, well, I might as well talk to God you know, using my head. And while God is aware of every single thought you have, God can't feel that. Right? And those thoughts take time to, to be transmitted. And also, by the way, your thoughts do not exit the universe. Your thoughts cannot reach the beyond the boundary of the physical and spiritual universes. And we've been so taught to minimise emotion and shut it down. Correct. 
And yet it's the only communication mechanism that we actually have with God. So the world is totally in reverse. Everything's totally in reverse, yeah. But this brings us to that question, what do you want? Do you, do you want to have this, this emotional flow between yourself and God or, or are you just trying to get something else with God? Can you see? Yeah. Jill? And Jesus, do you know in being, living in the physical world mm-hmm. and you love somebody and you have a hug, you know, a beautiful big cuddle, yeah. that's about, that's what I miss with God the physical. Can, can I suggest to you why the reason why you are addicted to a cuddle? Okay. <laughs> it's because you can't feel. Ah, oh, okay. You see, so what we do is we go. I can't feel this feeling of love from the other person because if I could, I'd be absolutely overwhelmed by that, and that's all I'd want. So because we can't feel it, because we're in codependent addictions, we're in all sorts of problems, we can't feel it. We're looking for sensory confirmation of a feeling. Do you understand? We're using our body to censor censor a confirmation. When I say censor, I'm using the word sensor, S-E-N-S-O-R, to sense, using the sensors of our own body. We're using our body to get the feeling. And you know why we do that? Because we can't actually feel the feeling. If we did, we wouldn't need the senses. Now I understand, yeah. And that's, and that's what we're doing. In, in all these interactions with people, we give them a big hug. You know, in sexual interactions with our partner, we want to have the sex because that makes us feel loved. That's because we can't actually feel the sexual exchange of love yet. Does that make sense? So we're looking for the physical act to confirm to us what we can't actually feel in our soul because our emotional part of ourselves is so shut down. Yeah. Does everyone get that from a yeah, you never thought about that before, hey? There's things like that that you never think about until you start realizing that actually every interaction I have with God is all emotional and that's the power of it. The power is the emotion. That is coming from our soul. Once I become really sensitive to that, you'll feel everything that way. Everything. You won't need to touch anything anymore. Because touching, touching in your soul is the exchange of the feeling in your soul. That's touching. Does that make sense? Yeah. And we, we are addicted to the physical sense because we don't have this developed soul sense of our emotional expression and the reception of emotional expression. If you did, you you would find it to be far more powerful than any touch that anybody ever has given you. That make sense? Yeah. Okay, so let's have a look. What do you want? (laughs) And as I said there, even if you do everything we've suggested this week, you will not have a relationship with God unless you pray. And remember the prayer, what the prayer is. What is it? Can you remember what the prayer is if we go to Peter? A longing from your heart for God. So it's a sincere, pure longing in your heart for God. So it's emotional. Yeah. Isn't it? It's got to be emotional. So it's this feeling 
uh, that you want to receive from God? And what, what does it achieve in your soul? What does prayer achieve? It actually achieves something. If we, if we go to... Does prayer open up your soul? Yes. Yeah. Because if you don't have a longing, can you see your soul is going, going like that? When you have a longing, your soul is like that, wanting to receive, right? When, you, when you're not having a longing, your soul is like that. So the, a longing is essential because it creates the your end of the openness. Does that make sense to you? When you long, it physically opens your soul. It's the, it's the action of longing that opens your soul to reception. Without that, you cannot receive. So if you think of your soul like a great big ball, so this is this person here, and remember we're half of a soul, but so we're half of a great big ball, right? And we're, we're wanting to, to have a relationship of some kind. The secret to a relationship of any kind is firstly me being open to give, in other words, to feel emotionally for the other, right? To feel that we want to give them our love. And then we also need to be open emotionally to receive, to have this emotion. Remember, emotion is the substance by which we will communicate, whether it's with a person on earth or a person in the spirit world or our soulmate or God. In the end, it's via our emotion that we will communicate. Right? So our emotion is the real communication method. And remember, as I've described scientifically, it transcends any physical boundary of time and space. Right? So it's the only thing God has created that allows you to go outside of the universe even. Allows your feeling, your feelings get transmitted beyond and it's the only thing that allows you to receive something that's from within or outside of the universe through this emotional exchange we need to learn how to use our emotions and a longing opens your you to the reception of someone else's emotion so you know when you long for the other half of yourself your soulmate you're now open to the reception of their emotion. And if you have a longing directed towards God, you're now open to the reception of God's emotion for you. God has lots of different emotions about you. Well, one of God's emotions is, you're the best thing I've ever created. And most of you have never felt that from your parents, right? <laughs> right. So that's one of God's emotions for you. You're the best thing I've ever created. Now, you know what we do? Because we can't feel that emotion, we run around trying to prove everybody on earth that we're the best thing. You know? Or we run around on earth trying to tell ourselves we're the best thing when we really feel like we're not. Uh, either one, right? But if we could feel just that emotion from God that we are the best thing that God ever created, do you think we'd be running around doing those things? We'd already know we're the best thing God created. Right. So there's one emotion that God has for you. It's a part of God's love for you. 
God, one of God's emotions is, you are so clever. Because <laughs> it feels like, Peter, you're just so clever. I created you to be clever, but you're real clever. Right? So, so, so if we felt that, we would, would we go around every day feeling like we're stupid? We wouldn't, would we? Huh? We're going to answer. So when you long for God's love, you're opening your soul to receive love. Is there an automatic feeling coming out from us of gratitude for receiving that love? Is that part Not of yet, the... because we haven't received it yet. Like, but I tell you, when you do receive it, you will definitely feel very grateful for receiving after you've received and that's you giving in return to God, isn't it? Right? So, but there's a lot of things we can be grateful for besides God's love that we could actually already be signaling to God through our emotions. I'm really grateful about that. You know, if you listen to me having a meal, many people get a bit annoyed with me having a meal sitting next to them, because I go, mm, ah, mm, this is so good, you know, if it's a good meal, that is. If it's not a good meal, I go, <laughs> it's terrible, you know. Like, so, so God knows exactly what I feel about that's because I'm allowing the feeling, and if that feeling is felt towards God and also towards the person who created that meal, that person, if they were sensitive to my emotion, they'd know how much I'm appreciating their meal. But because we're not sensitive to emotion, what do we need? We need someone telling us, oh, that meal was really nice. But if you were sensitive to emotion, you wouldn't have to hear from anybody that your meal was good. You'd know. Yeah, I can feel them, I can feel them, yeah, I feel them too. All those people really loved my meal. Well, of 90 people, 76 people loved my meal. You'd feel that. You wouldn't need to ask them, you wouldn't need them to tell you because you can feel it from them because you're open to their, their feelings. And God's like that with everyone. God knows exactly what you're feeling every single moment. And God has all these lovely feelings for you. That, that are all a part of God's love. We go to Kel. Um, yeah, I can see the big emotion on the planet of, um, you know, parents being proud of their child winning a gold medal or, yeah. you know, there's this huge thing of you're proud of me, I'm proud of you, right? We all feel proud and yeah. isn't that great and it's just all false. And... A lot of it is, yeah. Some of it isn't. Some of it isn't. Some people are addicted to having that feeling from yeah. people. But God's always proud of you. Would you yeah. run around trying to make God proud if you knew and could feel from God that God was very proud of his creation? Yeah. You? You wouldn't, would you? You wouldn't be trying to do all of these things just to get the approval of other people or get the acceptance of others if you already knew God was feeling already that way about you. See, God's yeah. already feeling so many ways about you. Already, like right now is already feeling so many ways. And, and when you open yourself to God's emotions, you, you will start to feel some of these ways that God feels about you. Understand? Yeah. Okay. So, what is prayer? It's your sincere, passionate, emotional desire and longing to receive God's love into yourself and give God love from yourself. Right. And what I'm going to suggest to you is that you engage in it every single day. That you stop avoiding it. 
right? for whatever belief systems you have. Now, Corny went through all the reasons why you might not have a faith in God and, and prayer. And Mary went through all the reasons why you might not have a developed will to engage God in prayer. But no matter what those reasons are, my suggestion is deal with those reasons as fast as you can. Because once you start experiencing God's feelings for you, you will not need to experience other people's feelings. You will not get needy with everyone else. Because God will be able to show you through God's feelings for you what God feels about you and those feelings will tell you in so overwhelming ways what you are and what you have the potential to be, that you won't need anybody else to do it for you. You won't be addicted to other people feeding these addictions to confirm things to you that you don't believe about yourself. God will already be sharing all that with you. Yeah. Now... There's a lot of things we could say about what kind of prayers God receives and what kind, in other words, what kind of feelings God receives. Now, obviously, if you have a feeling towards God, I hate your guts, you know, God's going to know that that's what you're feeling. But it actually isn't going to enter God's soul. Because God's got some self-worth. God says, why would you hate me for? I'm the most powerful being in the universe and I love you. <laughs> and God doesn't receive those emotions into God's soul. So there is a proviso with our emotions towards God and that is the emotions that we have that are based upon love and truth are the emotions God will receive. Now, if we really hate God and we tell God we really hate God, God appreciates that. That's honesty. That's sincerity. But the problem with the, the sentiment is that there's no reason to hate God. And so from God's perspective, God's not going to receive into his soul that feeling. Does that make sense? In fact, to be honest with you, that kind of feeling doesn't get very far. Because emotions that are harmonious with love are the only emotions that exit the universe. So all the emotions out of harmony with love don't get out of the universe. They remain in the universe. They remain affecting other people, affecting things, affecting the environment, affecting all of these other things. But they don't get out of the universe. They don't actually reach God's soul. And so therefore that tells you that emotions that are out of harmony with love have far less power than emotions that are in harmony with love. Does everyone get that? There is a difference between the amount of power when you have an emotion in harmony and emotion out of harmony with love. So for example, if you're sitting in the hells, and there's many spirits who are listening today who are sitting in the hells, and they transmit an emotion, right, of hatred towards God. Well, it doesn't get very far from them because they have very little power in that place. But if they have an emotion of love and desire for God, 
and the desire for God's love, that emotion not only does it go through the second sphere, third sphere, fourth sphere, fifth sphere, it goes, it goes through every possible sphere that could ever exist and it goes right outside of the universe itself and reaches God's soul and enters God's soul. And yet the power of every hateful emotion is very limited. In fact, a hateful emotion generated in the first sphere of the spirit world cannot reach any higher than the first sphere of the spirit world. So it has far more limited power. But a love emotion originated in the first sphere of the spirit world can reach the extremities of the universe and, per and penetrate through the boundaries into, into God. Right? And this is the power of love. It is scientifically a much greater power as a physical reality. So, um, Jesus, when you um, are emotionally sending love to God, does it just go to God or does it go all through the celestial heavens so it can be felt? No, it just goes to just God. Just to God. You, your emotions are targeted. Wherever you send your emotions are where they will be received. So, you know, when you have an addiction with another person, that person feels the addiction, right? Because you have a targeted emotion towards that individual. Right? So most of your, pretty much all of your emotions are targeted. You know, when you walk around with all this rage and anger and everything inside of you, right? That's going out everywhere. And the only people who will be able to receive it are the people who are willing to receive it. And then it will end to them. Now, of course, God's not willing to receive that. God's willing to observe it and go, well, there Jules goes again, letting off her steam, you know, <laughs> and dumping some of it on one of my other children. I was hoping none of the dumping was happening, actually. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> but that often happens, right? Onto another other child. Mm. And see that other child? That other child's open to receiving it. What a sad thing. That other child hasn't been healed in love because if they did, they wouldn't even receive it. They wouldn't get upset. They wouldn't feel bad they, because they wouldn't even have that emotion enter them. And these emotions come out of you like colours. So you know when you have fear, it's a very, very grey-black colour comes out of you. And when you target it at another person, if they're open to it, your fear enters them. The black colour enters them. And their parts of their body where you've targeted that fear start to go black. Huh? This, is, this is true. <laughs> what I'm telling you is true. You know when you have rage, there's this bright brown-red colour that comes out of you. That's a terrible colour, actually, because it's very painful to receive. And yet the people who are open to receiving it, what happens is it goes into them, and that where it goes into them changes the colour of their body to that colour. Huh? It just straight into them. These emotions flow from soul to soul, and they enter the people who are open to the reception. Catherine? So that, that even works with spirits, does it? If the spirit projects anything at us... Yes, that you're open to open receiving. To, 
So that's what's happening, isn't it? That's what's happening for yourself, yeah. yeah. You're open to receiving certain projections where you're to blame or whatever. Now, of course, if you had this connection with God, you wouldn't be as open to that, you see? No. Because God's saying, Catherine, you're not to blame for anything that happened in your childhood, right? This is what God wants to tell you. But, but you're already telling you, you've already had heaps of people tell you the opposite, and your mum in particular tell you the opposite. And because you're open to receiving that in your soul, the colours that they project out at you, towards you, come to you and enter you and harm you. And this relationship with God is completely different. Every single thing that comes out of God's soul into you, there's no harm to any of it. It's all just beautiful confirmational emotions about your true nature, character, your individuality, the truth of the universe, are all entering you if you have a longing to receive. And this is what it gets down to in the end. What it gets down to in the end is this one little word. You know, one of the most powerful little words is if. If, if I can only allow myself to let some of this love in, my life, my entire soul, everything will change if I can only do that. But if I can't or I refuse to, then it won't. So it all gets down to that decision, that choice that we make, the if. Are we going to make that choice or not? Do I really want to have this relationship or not? That's what it's completely dependent upon. And so what I'd like to encourage you to do is to develop, above all the other things we've talked about this week, develop this desire in you to open your heart to have more of these experiences with God. Every new experience with God along these veins will actually open your heart further. Everyone will confirm things to you. Everyone will build your faith. Everyone will destroy some of your addictions. Everyone will actually get rid of some facade. Everyone will feel some hurt. Every one, every one of these experiences, you'll go through some forgiveness here and repentance there quite naturally because you're opening your heart to the person who wants to love you and heal you. And so that's the thing that we'd like to recommend for you to do, to experiment with every day. And remember that, that it all depends on your choice. Just your choice. But it has to be a sincere, pure, heartfelt choice. It can't be something that's not real. It's got to be real. It's got to be in harmony with your pure, sincere desire. To reach God's soul, that's the requirement. And do you know God even has a mechanism by which that connection can occur? There's actually a physical mechanism that when you have the longing, because God knows you need some help even with your longings because they're not that great, right? God has a messenger that helps the transmission of your emotion and the reception of, your, of God's emotion into you. So when you open your soul, this messenger, which in the first century I called the Holy Spirit, enters 
it makes a connection with you. And actually, any person in the spirit world in the higher spheres can see this actual connection get established. It's an actual physical connection. It's like someone comes along and plugs a pipe into you. Right? But it's a beam. It's a beam of light through which these emotions God uses this beam, if you like, this Holy Spirit, this beam, to actually transmit God's emotions to you. Does that make sense? Please. Um, so in prayer, if you stood to receive God's love, you, the Holy Spirit connects to you. Or has automatically connected to you before you received God's love, yes. And does that connection stay? No. Or only in prayer? It's only when you're in prayer. It's only when you remain in that state. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. It's only when you exercise the longing. Now, you have a capacity, your soul has the capacity to have that longing 24 by 7 all the time. Wake or sleep, doesn't matter. You have that capacity to have that longing. And all you've got to do is exercise it, this feeling that you desire, this emotion, this emotional desire to receive. Yeah. And so can you tell if people have received? Can you Of course, every person who's ever received God's love can generally tell when another person has. Uh-huh. Yeah, why is that? Because that person has become sensitive to the soul of the people who have received the same thing that they have received. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Dicky. I was going to say, like, in my experience, when I've received, I've kind of got more than I thought I would have as well. Always. In the sense that a completely unrelated idea enters me about once about myself that I never knew was part of me. Yes. If that makes sense. Correct. That's exactly what happens every time. See, see, God's not happy with just giving you what you asked for. See, if you love somebody, you're not happy about just giving them what they ask for, are you? Like you think about it, if you're in a relationship with a woman and she says, oh, Nick, would you be able to make some brekkie for me today? You'd make a brekkie, right? But, but wouldn't you want to do a whole heap of things that she hasn't asked for? Yeah. Of course you would, right? And if you really love someone, that's how you feel. And that's how God feels about you. So, so every time you open your soul and long for God's love to, and God's love enters you, you get a whole heap of things you didn't ask for yeah. on top of that. That God knows that you'd love to have, but you just haven't asked for or you even haven't even thought of asking for it in many cases. Yeah. yeah. That's a wonderful thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> this is how God, God's super abundant. God wants to do these things for us. So you're saying God's the ultimate opportunist? Yes, of course. You've opened your soul a bit. When you've opened your soul to God a bit, God's going, I'm going to try to get as much in there as I can while it's open, right? (laughs) It's it's like you going out to dinner and somebody says, now that I've got you here for dinner, I'm going to feed you, you know, five courses and it's going to be like soup and (laughs) dessert because they want to do that for you. They feel that desire to do that for you. And God's the same. Why wouldn't God be the same? Why wouldn't God do that to even a greater degree? Can you see? We're so 
confused about God. Even though we say all these words, when we, when we talk about the feelings involved, we are often so confused. But God, God just desperately loves us. And when I say desperate, there's no addiction in it. But God desires to have all of our, all of our desires that are in harmony with love fulfilled. So in the moment of our openness, God's, God's attempting to fulfill every desire, every thing that's in harmony with love that we potentially can receive, we will receive. And often within ourselves, we have no idea what those things are. And so God often gives us a whole heap of things that we never expected. Yeah. So in conclusion to our week together, I would like to encourage you to change your concept of God and change your concept of emotions. You see, if you think about it, one of the reasons why we lack faith is we don't, we don't allow, we don't feel we can cope with this emotional overwhelm. But actually God's designed your soul to cope with it because without coping with it, you'd never receive any of God's love. Because God's love is going to overwhelm you every time. So, so God designed your soul to cope with being overwhelmed emotionally. Can you see that? Lani, that you had just another light bulb moment then, yes? <laughs> A light bulb intellectual moment, shall we, Scott? <laughs> um, so the more we can practice overwhelm, the more we're sort of stretching our soul yep. so that we, we are then able to receive yes. God's Yes, yeah, that's the whole point of it. You see, the whole point of allowing ourselves to be emotionally overwhelmed is to allow, like the, the, the pinnacle of this point is allowing God's love to flow into our soul because that will overwhelm us every time. We need to be able to deal with that every time. We need to get ourselves into a condition where we don't mind that, where, where we go from not liking it to, to thinking, ah, oh, it's okay, I think I can put up with that, to thinking that, that oh, I, I don't mind it now, to thinking that this is really, really good, to thinking it's fantastic every time. That's what we need to do. We need to get ourselves into that state where we, we know that the more we can allow this love to flow, the greater we will be filled. And the greater we are filled, the more work it will do upon our soul, this love. So uh, imagine like a planet with seven billion people on it, mm -hmm. and if they were all receiving God's love, there'd be these beams coming beams, down. 7.2 billion beams of light coming from God right, into the souls of these people, each one of them having these overwhelming experiences all at the same time. This is how great God's soul is, powerful. All these experiences, each one of them being overwhelmed by the experience and each one of them allowing the overwhelming experience. If everyone on earth had that experience once, it's highly likely that war would cease just by having that experience once. That's how powerful it is. Yeah. And that's why... Ever since I learned about it in the first century, I've been talking about it because that's how powerful it is. So get to know God. Allow yourself to feel God's feelings because it's the only way you're going to know God. And allow yourself to feel your own feelings because it's the only way you're going to know yourself. 
Stop thinking that you've got to control the feelings. Allow the flow of these feelings. Allow the flow of the feelings towards God. That's prayer. And when those feelings are in harmony with love, you'll feel your soul will open, the Holy Spirit will make a connection, God's, some of God's love will flow into you, and you will have a whole heap of other things flow into you at the same time. Whatever your soul, whatever God feels your soul is ready for, because you made it ready, will flow into you. And you will be filled to overflowing every time. I was just thinking about things last night um, in relation to I'm starting to feel the boys' feelings. And it wasn't until last night that I actually realised that if I can feel their feelings, I can feel God's feelings as well Yep. if I want to. Yeah, if you want to. But that, that brings up a lot of fear. Why? I don't know. Exactly. You've got to deal with that. You've got to find out why you're afraid to feel God's feelings. See, see, a lot of times we're afraid because we're worried that God's is punishing God. All the things that Connie mentioned, we, we don't have faith in God. We're worried about all these things. And so we don't, we don't want to feel God's feelings for us. And yet the most damaging thing you can do for the rest of your existence is this. The most damaging thing you can do in the rest of your existence is to choose not to feel God's feelings. Like in the first century, I called that the sin against the Holy Spirit. That's, that's the worst possible thing you can do for your entire life, is to choose to not feel God's feelings for you. That's the sin against the Holy Spirit. It will, it will do you the most damage to the rest of your life, choosing to not do that. So, so stop choosing that and work through every emotion inside of yourself that might cause you to, to not want to feel God's feelings for you. So that's what I'd like to leave you with. What do you reckon your homework is? <laughs> Pray. <laughs> do that. <laughs> Pray every day. Try even praying every minute of the day. Try having, developing within yourself this longing feeling for God's love to enter you every minute of the day. You may be unsuccessful initially for days on end because of different emotions that you have that block you. But if you really do this every day and eventually develop this openness, particularly the openness to feel the response, then, then you will start being overwhelmed very often, very frequently. You'll receive more and more of God's love and you will change rapidly. You'll become a loving person very much more rapidly than any other method. And you'll also be happy. And your soul will be expanding. And you'll have all of those other benefits that God's love brings you that we've already described. If you do that. So why wouldn't you do it? It only can be some fears or some other things inside of you that cause you not to. So that's what I'd like you to practice. Every single day. Every single minute of the day. Having that longing feeling where you're opening your soul to the exposure so that you can allow that connection to occur and have some of God's love enter you. Okay. We love you guys.
But God loves you a lot more. <laughs> so I've gone 15 minutes over. Um, so your dinner is out there waiting for you <laughs> right now. But I'd like to thank you guys for your time and thanks for joining us in this afternoon as well. Yeah.